The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll be talking the emphatic win over Nottingham Forest at the Emirates yesterday, as well as mentioning a couple of notable milestones in terms of appearances and looking forward to a big couple of weeks for the Arsenal. Our guests are two of the finest Arsenal pundits and writers, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning, guys. Hello. Good morning. Hi, Stoney. Yeah, you're all right. You feeling good? Of course you are. Vibes FC. <laughs> um, it is, of course, uh, Halloween. My God, people dressing up at the weekend. <laughs> it's a bit much, I'll be honest with you. Uh, anyway, the point is... What, what were you wearing, Ian? I was uh, <laughs> a mankini and a cape. I thought it was a really good look. I uh, <laughs> Did you see Gunnosaurus? Gunnosaurus even got into the spirit. Uh, see, I wasn't at the game yesterday, Adrian, as will become uh, uh, apparent. But uh, did Gunnosaurus have some sort of Halloween costume? Yeah, he was. I think he was vampired up. Yeah, it was a uh, good look. <laughs> okay, vampired up. Okay. Well, as we said, it is Halloween. So we thought we'd do a sort of trick or treat opening question. Obviously, we did have a treat yesterday, but... Um, Let's have the best trick or treat, or the worst trick or treat uh, we've uh, we're experiencing at Arsenal at the moment. Amy, I'm going to start with you. Is it a trick or a treat? Mine is the biggest trick that football has ever played on itself, which is a Winter World Cup. And one of the things about yesterday that was really bizarre at the end of the game, everyone's all vibes FC happy. It's no secret that the atmosphere at the moment is uh, as good as it's been since most of us can remember. And there were so many people chatting to each other and hugging. And and someone turned around and said in the block where there's a whole bunch of season ticket holders that obviously get to know each other over the years. And it was like, oh, you know, everyone checks their season tickets, who's coming to the next game, whatever. Um, And uh, someone was like, oh, this is our last Premier League game till Boxing Day. And the Mate turned around and went, Merry Christmas. Oh, Jesus. And then someone else was like, well, yeah. And someone else was like, oh, I can't make Boxing Day. Oh, see you next year. <laughs> it's just getting even more surreal. And I have to say to some of the Twitterati who kind of mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, seem to get perturbed by this in that age old game of who's the better fan or the better season ticket holder. You know, well, there's... Game again on Thursday against Zurich and there's a game next week against Brighton. But yeah, the reality of life is that um, not everybody can go to every game. And uh, certainly where where we sit, there's a lot of people increasingly who share season tickets. And that's a reflection of of quite how, you know, how hard it is to get tickets these days. There's such a bum fight of people I know that were scrambling around trying to get, get into the game against Nottingham Forest. And the lucky ones who did had an absolutely stellar performance to save her. But I put my name down for an extra season ticket just recently to increase the sort of family total. Where are you in the queue? Uh, 87,000 and something. <laughs> so I thought it's, uh, yeah. it, it may not be in my lifetime. But um, <laughs> fun- funnily enough, it, it, it actually occurred to me that for the first time since moving to the Emirates, 60,000 might not be enough, no. which... I don't think has been a thought that many people have had all that often uh, since Arsenal moved from Highbury. 
I feel bad because Adrian has got a very good answer to the question coming and I'm just, as usual, How do you banging know? <laughs> on. I know, but I do tend to bang on sometimes with these opening questions. But I was really touched leaving the ground yesterday by um, there was these two uh, just adorably happy looking young people, both in the matching pink top. Um, the lady was standing there, well, I don't know if it was a boyfriend or brother or whoever she was with was taking pictures of her and then they swapped to take pictures of uh, the other way around. And I, as I was walking past, I said, oh, do you, do you want me to take a picture of, of the two of you? And they were like, oh, yes, please. And um, I just had a quick chat with them and they were from Thailand and they'd been longing to watch a game at the Emirates, big Arsenal supporters. And it was the first game they'd ever got to see. And I think they're studying in the UK and it's taken them months to get any kind of ticket and they were just blown away and I think it's a a reflection of what's happening that young old whether you've been going forever or it's your first game there's a togetherness going on and you can't force it it's just magic it is uh, anyway, forget all that. We've got Qatar against Ecuador <laughs> <laughs> to watch in a blizzard in a fan park. <laughs> who doesn't, who can't wait for that? You're absolutely right. It's a ridiculous trick. What have you got for us, Adrian? Well, on that theme, just, just following up, it's a treat to be there, isn't it? At the moment, we're going on a trick-or-treat theme. It is a treat to get a ticket, to, to be able to work there, to sort of enjoy it I've got to say at the moment so yeah long may long may that continue and I hadn't thought about the ground you're right for the first time maybe since we've been there you think it is the ground big enough and that's quite a nice quite a nice place to be I thought you were going to ask me what the best trick is that I've seen at what Arsenal. is the best trick you've seen um, at Arsenal agent? well there have been a few I, I was there for the scorpion from, from Olivier Giroud that was unbelievable yeah, yeah, but yeah. the best the best most consistent trick in my opinion that I've seen at Emirates in recent years was Mesut Ozil's bounce shot mm. I just thought it was um it was really clever he kind of invented it just to just to, to sort of stab the ball into the ground so that it bounced over a keeper I just I thought it was a really original piece of piece of sort of craft and guile from, from Mesut Ozil so yeah whether you sort of remember him fondly or not and I'll I'll, I'll remember him you know, more for the good bits than the not so good. Um, yeah, the bounce shot was was a treat to behold. Yeah, um, you're right about it is a treat to be there uh, at the moment. And as I was travelling up to Manchester, I had to I had to go from uh, St Pancras yesterday, and I got a train at one o'clock. And I'm just surrounded by gooners going to the game. I've never been so depressed in my life. I thought, I can't, what am I doing? They're going to entertain these people. Anyway, uh, thank goodness there was excellent Wi-Fi on the train so I could watch the game. <laughs> that, by the way, is irony. Um, uh, the tree is just watching the continued development of this team. Particularly, I have to say, the Halem boys. We will talk about Reese Nelson on the pod but just to see these young kids developing in front of a young fan base with young management and all the rest of it, it is a treat to be there. And uh, I can only echo what Amy and, uh, and Adrian said. 5-0 to the Arsenal yesterday. Sounds good, actually. Uh, I got a text from my uh, son late last night. He said, I know it was only Forrest, but it's good to batter someone, isn't it, really? And I have to agree. We've been putting in some performances, not in the last few weeks, but certainly before that. And it's nice to see, Amy, the way it went, where the first half, you know, it was it was OK. It was a bit stop-start. But we really picked it up in the second half. And I think that was one of the pleasing aspects of that performance yesterday. 
Yeah, um, one of the uh, people that I stand near who's kind of a bit glass half empty sometimes was, you know, you get an early goal in four minutes or whatever and start strongly and it was like, well, this is what Arsenal always do, you know, come out, firing out the blocks and scoring an early goal and then, it, you know, start to relax and let the opposition in a bit and make a couple of mistakes and, you know, got to go for the juggle. Don't don't take the chances for the second goal. And really there were what three or four very presentable openings after Martinelli's first goal that could have made it comfortable before halftime. But, um, you know, I think there was that slight sensitivity based on a, a bit of a drop in performance in some of the recent games, Leeds, PSV, Southampton. So, that was preying on some minds. So to be able to uh, respond to that particular possibility of sort of dipping off and come out in the second half and really... The thing that was interesting about the goals were they were quite different. There was quite a variety of, of goal type, which I think augurs extremely well because you can't just be having you know a plan A and that's it. But the the willingness of all the players to want to express themselves but also be unselfish in you know, in the spirit of teamwork, was really evident. You know, I mean, Gabriel Jesus is desperate for a goal, and could have possibly got three yesterday in, with different chances, but still has it in him to produce. You know, two extremely sharp uh, and unselfish assists in the game. And there's something about the way the team is playing at the moment where you can see that they're enjoying playing as an ensemble and that's creating the capacity to go and be a bad team convincingly, you know, yeah. could have won with a more narrow scoreline yesterday, but it probably is important psychologically that they went out and reminded themselves how good they are. Yeah, quite. And like you say, goals from all over Martinelli, great goal there. Nelson got two Partey and Erdegaard. Um, Adrian, in terms of Gabriel Jesus, yeah, he didn't score again. But, you know, assists, obviously a fantastic performance and he works so hard for the team. Thierry Henry was talking about him in the week, I think, said he was never going to be a 25-goal-a-season man, I think is what he said, but he makes everyone else better. I mean, if you're in the dressing room and your striker's not scoring goals, but he's doing that, is there almost an added element where you want to support him and say, no, 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 just keep doing what you're doing, you'll get chances in the end and it'll be fine because what you're doing for the team... It's almost immeasurable. Yeah, it is. And yeah, they'll all be behind him. I think the reason he stayed on was because they were desperate yeah. for him to get a goal. I mean, just a couple of stats to chuck in. He had seven shots. He created four chances. Two of them were assists. And he had 17 touches inside Nottingham Forest box. Now, put that into perspective, his average across the last two games was four and a half touches inside the box a game. So this was so much better from him, so much better from Arsenal in terms of penetration. Yeah, no, I thought he was brilliant. I thought it was a really excellent performance. It's just the finish at the moment. He's, he's sort of snatching at it. Maybe what you see when players are, are desperate for a goal is they try and whack the ball a little bit too yeah. hard. I don't think he needs to do that. The one when he cut inside and he curled it and you thought, just yeah. caress it a little bit more. That's top just corner. Just pass yeah. it, yeah. All the players that are in the groove, just pass it into the bottom corners. It's just what happens. He'll he'll get back there, no doubt about it. Just very quickly on the fast starts. I've got I've got a good stat, so I want to share it. Um, the fast starts have been brilliant, haven't yeah, they? Um, first 15, I thought, were, were fantastic. Right, 
bronze medal for the, the best goal difference in the first 30 minutes of matches this season is Brighton, scored eight, conceded four. Silver, first 30 minutes, City have scored nine, conceded three. The gold medal position is Arsenal's. We have scored 11 goals in the first 30 minutes of matches this season and conceded none. Wow. None. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like we are so good in that opening half an hour. And when you think back at the start of Arteta's reign, we took about an hour to get warmed up sometimes. And we was very slow uh, and pedestrian at times, particularly during the, the time where we were not allowed inside stadiums. It was, yeah, we sort of almost wasted that first half an hour. That That is no longer the case. No. And, and you great. want, I mean, you want teams to start fast, Amy. So... Why are they doing it now? And why is it working now? And why did it not work before? Because surely you just go, go at them from the first second. I mean, we are a very attacking team. There's no getting away from it. And, I, and, and it's part of the reason that the crowds are flocking back. And they are. But what has changed then? Why Is it, is it to do with Gabriel Jesus stretching them and, and a, a, a bit more width? What's happening? I think it's collective sharpness, hunger and intensity. Like every single one of them. Uh, for whatever reason, may have been more difficult before, but goes out there believing that they're absolutely going to fly into the match. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I guess Mikel Arteta's possibly the only person who can explain that properly. But the end effect is so critical because you think about how many good footballing teams try and pass their way into a match. And the longer it goes on, the longer an opponent might settle and... Uh, it just does such a, a huge amount to set this kind of lightning tone. And I think whatever opposition plans are for a game, you're never hoping to be down against an attacking side in the first 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes because whatever your plan was, that wasn't it, let's be honest. So I think it's, a, I think it's been a hugely important step in Arsenal's ability to get their points total that they have so far this season and put themselves top of the league. Yeah, massive. Yeah. And long may that continue. Hello, everyone. I'm Tony Jameson, the new host of the Football Manager Show, brought to you by The Athletic. Football Manager has quite frankly ruined my life, but I'd be completely lost without it. And if those words resonate with you, our podcast will be right up your street with FM23's release inching closer and closer. Every week, myself and Aaron Falloon, a.k.a. RDF Tactics, take a deep dive into our most recent saves. We speak to the makers of the game about how to crack it and take on wacky community challenges suggested by our loyal listenership. So if that sounds like a bit of you, make sure to subscribe to the Football Manager Show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. In by Jesus, and there he is again. Reach Nelson at the double. 
And the Gunners running away with it. Reese Nelson came on, Bukayo Saka got kicked again. And um, it is an ongoing theme. Adrian, we were on the pod a few weeks ago. We talked about this. He's not really getting the protection uh, he should. I thought that was a pretty nasty tackle. And that wasn't the only one. Gibbs White on um, Jacker. I mean, if <laughs> we've all said it, if that is Granny Jacker, that is a red card, I think. But Bakayo's not getting the protection. We'd like to say we have talked about that, but it did give Reese Nelson his chance. Uh, if you haven't read um, James's piece in the Athletic this morning, you should because it's really lovely the way Reese talks about. He thought he'd warm up and then he'd come and sit down, and then the boss said, "No, you're on, Reese." And you can you can feel the excitement in what he's talking about, and he. He looked like the player that we hope he becomes, Adrian. Great management, I think, from Mikel Arteta because it was the shock substitution, wasn't it? We all thought, oh, it would be Vieira or, or it might be, might be Marquinhos. Yeah. But he's backed but, him, hasn't he? Yeah, he? He's backed him. Yeah, but, but, but I love the fact that he didn't really give him a heads up on it either. He's just shocked him into it. He's probably benefited from not really being part of the poor performance against PSV because no one stood up and, and, and said they deserved a place after that that game so it's like well let's give Reese a go let's see what he's about and and yeah I mean it was so nice to see him take advantage wasn't it I thought the confidence that he dispatched that rebound with was was great the because there were two people on that he dropped his shoulder beforehand he left two players on the floor and he and he made it look so easy well, he's got that, hasn't he? I mean, he's the kid that everyone was telling me about years ago um, at the academy. Who's, you know, when I always, if I speak to someone at an academy, I always say, who's the next one coming through? Who, who should we look out for? All I kept hearing was Reese Nelson. And, you know, he's done well. He's had a lot of first team appearances, but he's just been outshone, I guess, by Saka Smith-Rowe and Ketia, etc. So, yeah, for him to get his his afternoon in the sun was great and it and it feels like a crossroads moment because if he if he'd have come on and had that what was it 60 odd minutes and done nothing how long might he have had to have waited for the yeah. next chance now on the back of two goals and assist really positive performance he's in the frame he's the he's the de facto third choice wide man for the next game, isn't he? He might be second choice or first choice because we don't know what's going to happen with Saka. So it was a really big day for him and I'm, I'm chuffed because he's a good player to watch, isn't he? When when he travels with the ball at his feet with confidence, he's exciting. Um, yeah, I like yeah, him. Yeah, no, I, I, I get... I mean, I'll say I wasn't at the game yesterday, Amy, but I'm assuming that the crowd... I remember when Theo Walcott first signed and the excitement that Theo, every time he got the ball and the, and people willing him to do well... And I sort of get the same feeling with Reese Nelson that people so want him to do well. So I'm assuming the crowd were right behind him when he came on. And reading that article, it seems like he's, he won't sleep for a couple of days after that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think there was an excitement for him to come on and a, a goodwill for him. But I wouldn't say it was overblown in the sense that he is a player who has had chances before and hasn't quite managed to grasp them in that way that Adrian quite rightly, compares to the, the likes of Saka Smithrow and so on. But I think what can be fascinating in, in the life of a particularly a young player is sliding doors moments, you know, whether you go on loan, whether it goes well for you, whether you come back, like <clears throat> all sorts of things. And for whatever reason, Mikel Arteta has always spoken about Reese with quite a lot of conviction, probably more conviction than what he's actually shown on the pitch necessarily, but there's something there that Mikel seems to 
you know, it seems to have struck him. And in a similar way that, you know, for a long time when Eddie Nketiah was coming towards those last few months of his contract, he hadn't really necessarily done enough for people to think, oh my God, he must stay. It'd be terrible if he goes. And then Arteta kept saying, Eddie deserves to play the way he is in training. You know, it's almost like a mantra. He Obviously what he sees at London Coney, we don't are not privy to, tells him a lot. And I thought it was really notable that Mikel talked about um, Reese maturing and talked about his attitude and his hunger yes. and his, his, you know, his desperation to play. And, you know, really complimented that side of his game about how much he was trying to get himself involved. You know, I think a lot of people thought he might have gone in the summer. He got injured he done, just, just yeah, just before the transfer window closed. He he picked up an injury, so he wasn't really available for a, a transfer. Had that happened, this doesn't happen. But, you know, he ended up sticking around, knuckling down, trying to show he's learned some things on his loans, um, believing that he can make an impact on this team, being patient enough to wait his turn in a in a good manner without kicking up a fuss, but also determined enough to keep waving metaphorically at Mikel. Hey, I'm here. Look at me. Look yeah, at me. Yeah, yeah. And the reward, you know, was outstanding in the game yesterday. But there is that little flicker of a moment where you think, is this is this his Jermaine Pennant moment? You know, is this like a, you know, a kid who also had a lot of expectancy around him in and out kind of in terms of producing the, you know, the real deal that makes you think you've got a genuine class Arsenal player on your hands and then scores that hat-trick in one of the first games of the 49-game unbeaten run. Everyone thinks, right, here we go. And for Reese, it's kicking on now, right yeah. now. He's had this golden ticket, if you like, with this unexpected, glorious game yesterday. It's very likely he'll play, I would have thought, against Zurich and Brighton. So that's two more home games, you know, before the break. At least, you know, it's possible that he'll he'll figure in the other matches. And... If he does gra- grasp those moments and seize that day, a bit like Eddie suddenly kind of playing himself towards the end of last season into, he stays. Yeah. Arteta wants him. Arteta sees the value. Then, you know, a winger was on the agenda in the summer, yeah. a new winger. And it's premature to say, okay, after one beautiful cameo against Nottingham Forest, Reese Nelson's the guy, forget it. But he can certainly put himself in the frame. Yeah, and saves us all that money, Adrian. Then we spend the whole 50 million quid on a central midfield player, right? And uh... Yeah, which we, which we could do with. Yeah, because cause Thomas Partey was, was so dominant in this game. I mean, Nottingham Forest gave him the freedom of the park. I mean, well, the space, the, the, the space. But that pass to Granite, I mean, it was such a beautiful pass. And I love the way that Jesus ran inside and opened up the space. And Granite Jacker has been making those runs all season. And obviously, a part of it, I imagine he didn't even have to look where he was. He knew. Yeah, it's just he's very good at those passes, isn't he? The execution of those forward passes is, is outstanding from, from Thomas. So... Yeah, Forrest, obviously, their three midfielders were very deep. Steve Cooper would have wanted Lingard and Morgan Gibbs-White to sort of hound Partey, but they, they did the opposite no. of that. They didn't get, we didn't get within five yards of him. So, yeah, Partey ran the game. When you see him play like that and dominate and score a great goal again, you think, oh, what about the backup? And, and obviously, Sambi missed his opportunity against PSV. He had a really bad night. And I think, yeah, all eyes are on who are we going to get 
to sort of back up Thomas Partey because we, we do need one for sure. We certainly do. One more question. Kieran Tierney, I would have thought there were some people, including me, who were slightly surprised he didn't get picked uh, for this game. He essentially chose a right back to go in that position, uh, although Tommy appears to be able to play pretty much anywhere across the defence and what a player he is. Amy, is this evidence of something more going on with Kieran Tierney or is he just a bit down the pecking order at the moment because there was a time when everyone's talking about him as future Arsenal captain and, and the fans obviously love the attitude. But does Mikel Arteta not quite fancy him as much as the rest of us do, perhaps? I don't know what's going on. No. Um, I can only speculate like everyone else, but the only thing you can say is that it's pretty easy to imagine Kieran is finding it difficult at the moment to take the change in in his situation. I can't imagine that that's something that he's phlegmatic about. It's good for the club that Arsenal have got these options now because it was the dearth of these options that was so costly in seasons past. And it's the challenge for any manager of a top team to keep people happy who are playing less often than they want to. Just with Kieran, it seems a particularly tricky situation because you'd have imagined with Zinchenko out for as long as he has been, that that would give uh, Kieran an opportunity to play frequently. So I think everyone can understand the logic of it in specific games where you're up against a particular kind of winger and having someone with the height of Tomiyasu makes loads of sense. He has different qualities. But let's watch and see, see how this one plays out, I'd say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, good. And, and as if it wasn't a big, big enough sort of kick in the teeth for him that he didn't play. And obviously, Tommy Essie kept his place at left back. When they made the change, Cedric came on at left back, didn't he? So I just thought that was a real, a real sort of punch in the stomach. And then obviously, Tini did come on and Cedric moved to, to right back when Arteta made a very sensible substitution with taking off William Saliba, who's on four yellow cards needed to protect him ahead of that that Chelsea game so uh yeah that was that was a smart move from Arteta but yeah like in effect Tierney might be sat there you know today thinking am I fourth choice left back all of a sudden I don't think he is but you could be excused for thinking it because that's that's where he was in the pecking order in the game. Yeah, but I mean, I think as we saw yesterday with Reese Nelson, you know what? You will get your chance uh, in this football club because we've got a lot of football games uh, to play. Uh, we'll talk about them after a little break. Uh, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark on handbrake off from The Athletic. A couple of notable milestones that I just want to briefly mention. Granite Xhaka made his 200th appearance, league appearance for Arsenal uh, on Sunday. Never thought we'd see that, Amy, but um, here we are. <laughs> We're singing his name. He looks, I mean, I must say, I, I, even that PSV game on Thursday, first 30 minutes, I've really enjoyed watching him. I enjoyed, he seems to have an economy of movement around the pitch. I love his forward running now. He's one of the most important players in the team, isn't he? Yeah, I I really enjoyed James McNicholas's tweet 
yesterday. Uh, <laughs> oh, about how good looking he is. Yeah, I thought this is how this is really how far this whole thing has shifted. <laughs> it's kind of like, he is can, a good looking man. Can we man? now There's acknowledge no he is such a handsome man? I thought, okay, James, good one. I like the fact that James was holding on to that for quite some time. Yeah, I know he walked <laughs> off and threw the armband down, but look at him. Just look at him. So it's nice that James can finally, uh, you know, metrosexually uh, admit how much he loves Granite Jacker's looks. And he is a good looking fella. But more than that, Amy, he's just playing exactly how we want him to play. And he's the, he's the player that Arsene Wenger saw when he bought him. What I'd, what I'd like to know is, assuming he's playing exactly how he wants to play, which by extension makes you wonder how he really felt for all those years when he was playing maybe not his absolute best position and one that exposed him and kind of partly created some of the scenarios that he became synonymous with. But um, he's having a golden, I don't know, I was going to say golden hour, but it's, go- it's a golden season or golden few months and I think it's hard not to to for it to, to warm your heart a little bit because he just looks elated yeah. all the time he looks so liberated he looks like he's just going out to play and he knows exactly how it's going to go for him and he's not overthinking or having to overthink anything it's just go out and be go out and do your stuff and I think for a footballer to have that is a, a real luxury and you look around that kind of front five that he's now a part of, and there's a lot of youth around him, and even Gabriel Jesus is, is the next oldest at, at 25. You know, Granite's 30. He's probably been through enough for about three careers. He probably, probably in football terms, he's about 55, if you know what I mean. And uh, it must be an extraordinary pleasure for him to be playing this kind of football in this kind of team, taking the kind of responsibility he's happy to take and people are happy for him to take it, and it's going swimmingly for him. So, yeah, enjoy. Excellent. Well done, Granite. Excellent. Nice work, Granite. Uh, Adrian, what about Aaron Ramsdale, 50th appearance for the club? He looked so happy at the end. When that shot, the last shot went in from the um, from the Nottingham Forest player, and he caught it, and there was a uh, and the full-time whistle, and he was like, clean sheet. And I'm really pleased for him. That connection that he has with the fans, and we knew that from the first moment, the way he was talking to the fans and winding up the opposition as well. Uh, if you want to see a video of him uh, laughing at the Leeds fans and them giving him stick back, that's a very <laughs> pleasurable minute for any uh, gooner. We know he's got a rick in him. We saw it on Thursday. But he's such an infectious character, Adrian. To have a goalkeeper like that, it's a big plus for us. I think it is, yeah. The goalies are always these, they're often sort of real big personalities. He's a bit crazy, isn't he? But I love the fact that he just is himself. And I think that the fans respond well to that, especially because it does feel like the Emirates Stadium in particular is, is filled with younger people. Um this season than compared to seasons past. I think a lot of a lot of the older people maybe gave up their season tickets and 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 the next in line have, have, have come in and re-energised the stadium. Well, more and they, full they, them, they can, the, the older people, you know? Exactly. And and I think the fans inside the ground can relate to Aaron Ramsdale. They can see he wants to have fun. Uh, they can see that he's sort of cheering the team on from from his position, you know, inside the box. He feels like a fan, developing. Adrian. That's the yeah, point. Yeah. He feels like one of us. In a way that maybe some of the others are not, you know. Granite Jacker is very much a player, if you know what I mean. But Aaron is a fan. 
Yeah, I think goalkeepers always have a very special relationship with the supporters because they stood next to them for so long, uh, especially, you know, over the course of a season. They stood pretty close to the to the fans, aren't they? So I think it's great to have that that solid rapport. I think he's having a, a pretty good season. I think he's not as outstanding as he was this time last year, I don't think. And maybe his distribution isn't as eye-catching as it was this time last year either. But he's uh, he's a big asset to the team, and yeah, I think he's uh, yeah great person, great person to have in the yeah, team. Fifty games uh, for Aaron Ramsdale, four games to go before this uh, ridiculous break when we all head off to uh, <laughs> the Middle East for a World Cup that nobody really seems that excited about. I guess we'll get into it after we finish the uh, the last game against Wolves. Uh, Amy, we've got four games left. We've got the two league games, Chelsea and Wolves away, and we've got Zurich at home, which which is a big game, but we'd hope that we'd beat them and, uh, and secure top spot for the group. And then Brighton in the Carabao Cup. We've just got to keep running through Wolves, haven't we, for another, for another four games. And that's, I mean, I, I said this on the pod the other day, that's what Mikel Arteta will be saying to them. Yep, and uh, I think probably... There's a bit more confidence that it's achievable after the Nottingham Forest result. So, uh, yeah, you look at the games ahead and Chelsea obviously looks like potentially the trickiest. But the way Arsenal playing, they obviously had a pretty uh, humbling weekend as well, Chelsea. I think it's just about push, 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 push. Get what you need to top the group against uh, Zurich. Try and get as many points as possible out of Stamford Bridge. The Brighton game would just be a nice one to continue in another competition. But I don't think Mikel will shed too many tears if that one goes by the wayside. And then Wolves away, end on a high. And uh, with luck and a fair wind, try and aim uh, to finish this half season in top spot. But I mean, the, the points total for this phase of the season is exceptional. Who knows how long it, it, it it's going to last and how practical it is to think that it's going to keep going and going it's going to be a tough job I think to get everyone straight back into rhythm yeah and and on the and on the same page Adrian right yeah because everyone yeah everyone's gonna have such different experiences and form and 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 mindsets aren't they when we reconvene I think there are plans to keep the players busy I think they're going to head out to Dubai I think and and there'll be there'll be a training camp there'll be some good friendlies lined up because obviously all of the clubs are in the same boat, so I think we'll see quite a lot of friendly games. I, I, I've heard whispers. I won't, I won't sort of announce it here, but I've heard whispers of one particularly exciting, um, friendly that we might see at Emirates Stadium uh, in December um, before we play West Ham. <laughs> really? Um, so, so yeah, that, I think there, there, there are plans afoot for but a game. But we can't say who that, that is at the moment. Oh, you carrot dangler, Adrian. How can you do that, Adrian? Who are we talking about? I don't want to get into trouble, but I think... <laughs> Give us a clue. What's this space? What's the first letter, Adrian? <laughs> <laughs> can we play 20 questions? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm leaving it there. I'm going to leave that carrot dangling, but, but it, yeah, there could be a, a nice, juicy, friendly uh, lined up. I think that's the plan, but whether it, whether it comes off, I don't know, because nothing's been signed. There you go. <laughs> I mean, there's thousands of people going, who is it, Adrian? Come on. But no, apparently you're not allowed because nothing has been signed. 
at the moment. Well, it's it's going to it's going to be another whatever it is. It sounds like another one. Everyone's going to be scrambling, fighting each other for tickets for. Yes, because as you said, everyone wants to be down there. I mean, I'm going. I'm going to the Zurich game uh, on Thursday. Um, one more thing, actually, about the Zurich game. I mean, we do need to get a result. We do. We have to match PSV's result. Now, PSV are going to Berdo Glimt, and that is not going to be an easy game for them. We know that on that on that pitch. And I don't think, in fact, that we got enough credit for our performance over there. And it wasn't great, but we got a result. And very few teams do that. He does have to mix things up a little bit, does he not, Amy? We've. Um, I think there's a couple of people are... Um, uh, uh, I mean, Saka will probably be rested uh, just to help him get over the injury. We're going to play quite a few reserves, but we should have enough to beat Zurich at home. And if we don't, we don't really deserve to be in the Champions League, do we? Well, it's it's about uh, being in, in the next round of the Europa It'd League. Right. Sorry yes. to yes, no, no, I, mean, I understand sorry to, that. Sorry to reel you back in ever so slightly, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, you know my excitement. But but you understand the point I'm making. We no, no, we I obviously understand. don't want two more games against one of the teams that drop in from the Champions if League. If you said that to Mikel, he would give you one of those looks where you'd be a little bit scared and you'd probably run out the room. He does not want to be second in this group. And he hasn't wanted to from before anybody kicked a ball. So um, he will be mighty, mighty, mighty cross, I think, if the players don't deliver. Having qualified with two games to go and having topped the group pretty much from the get-go and with a home game against the weakest team in the group to finish off. I think whoever he picks, and he's picked pretty strongly, uh, for the majority of these games, to be honest, such as his um, determination to make sure Arsenal top the group. I think it will still be a fairly strong team. It'll be a mixture, but every I don't think they'll be suddenly throwing in a couple of unknown kids uh, at all. I think it'll still be all of a very recognisable team to do the job. Yeah, uh, well, looking forward to it. Go on, Adrian, you got anything else to say before we go? Yeah, we just gotta, we just got to be, be professional, I think, Fast start, get ourselves that cushion, and then we can take off, take off the players that we will really need at Stamford Bridge at, at the weekend. So I'm confident. I mean, Zurich aren't very good, and um, and yeah, we've been terrific on home turf, haven't we? So yeah, I, I fully expect us to win and win with something to spare. All right, lovely. Uh, me too, by the way. Me too. And then we can think about what possible team Adrian could we talk about for that? <laughs> talking about for that friendly. Uh, I'm now going through my head. Is it like some sort of World Eleven with Mbappe playing or something? Anyway, uh, we're, uh, you'll let us know as soon as you can, I guess. Let's have a song to end. Uh, Amy, what have you got for us? Well, just before I give you my selected song, I was having a little uh, look around some uh, old music and I stumbled across something, a song specially for you, Ian. Oh, yeah. And it's a song by Amon Tobin. Uh, an old ninja tune track called Stony Street. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could pick it, I suppose. It hasn't got particular relevance to Arsenal at the moment. So I'm just giving it to you to go away and have a listen to and I, uh, you know, let me know what you think. I will. Stony Street. I'm going to check Street that out. Stony Street by Amon Tobin on Ninja Tunes. Um, on a, I was on a bit of a trip hop uh, vibe and I'm going to go for a Jungle Brothers song called Doing Our Own Dang. Because that's what Arsenal are doing at the moment. Doing they are doing their own thing. Uh, Adrian, what have you got for us? I'm going to surprise you today. <laughs> I'm going to surprise you with a, 
an artist that you wouldn't associate with my my normal choices because on the breakdown live uh, we we had one of the greatest gear changes uh, in broadcasting history um <laughs> yesterday we had so there was me talking about football and then in comes uh, mercury award winning um Little Sims, uh, best album of the year. Uh, in she comes, looks like an absolute superstar. Um, she's a massive gooner. She's from from Highbury. Uh, her nephew, I think, uh, she said, is in the academy. And we just talked Arsenal with Little Sims for five or six minutes, which was great. great. Then she disappeared, and in came Tony Woodcock, uh, which was <laughs> which was just you know which other shows. Which other shows out there would ever have Little Sims and Tony Woodcock? That's a hell of a left turn. (laughs) I know, I know. But it was enjoyable and I loved it. Um, And Tony was great, great value as well um, with his big hair. uh, And and he was all in on Arsenal, even though he won the European Cup with Nottingham Forest. He was absolutely a gooner for the day. Um, So, yeah, it was was a real treat. So I'm going to pick a Little Sims song um, from her award-winning album. The the lead track is Introvert, and I've listened to it, and I enjoyed it. So there you go. Yeah, Little Sims to Tony Woodcock. You know what? That's a fair point, actually. Um, I um, Obviously, I am incredibly optimistic uh, when it comes to Arsenal, and I... (laughs) Well, you know I am. It's not. Well, you preface the, every single song choice with that line, Stoner. Come on. Well, I feel <laughs> like I have to really because it's so ridiculous. But I, I genuinely look at what we've got and think, wow, what is the limit for this team? So what I've gone for is ain't no mountain high enough. I thought you were going to go for There's No Limit. No, 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 no. No, and I knew of... you would if I had. But I love Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Tammy Terrell and Marvin Gaye, of course. And uh, I genuinely think, my God, what this team can achieve if it all comes together. And we sincerely hope it does. Dear listener, um, somebody out there who's really good at all this techie stuff. Please make uh, Ian a, a playlist of like the world's most optimistic songs, because you know he needs this week on week on week on week. You I know? do. He's running I out. I absolutely do. So I, I, no, I'm not. I'm not. There's plenty more optimistic songs that I can choose from. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, anyway, there you go. Uh, now, what you need, what you need, is some pessimistic songs just to bring you down a little oh, bit. Oh, Stanley. I listen just... to Radiohead all day, every day. Uh, so <laughs> don't worry about that. I get plenty of darkness and depression. But no, I don't bring it to this podcast because right now things are good. That's it for uh, Handbrake Off. Thank you to Amy Lawrence. Thanks to Adrian Clark, and thanks to Guy, our producer. And thank you, listener, for listening. Enjoy the week. I'm Ian Stone. This has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. 